Well, hello everybody. Welcome to episode 153. That is 153. It is the ENS Wolves podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Judah. It is week three of lockdown, although it kind of feels like month three, to be honest, especially working alongside this ragamuffin that they call Mr. Joe Edwards. How's it going, fella? Uh, thank you for that lovely introduction. Um, yeah, you're welcome. I have had a uh, shave. You've had a shave. Lovely. That's nice. Good to know. Good to know there's a bit of male grooming going on at the uh, Edwards household. And uh, I'll I'll provide a picture with with this podcast, you know, when we we tweet it out later. But um, I've gone for kind of the Freddie Mercury moustache. Yeah, I must admit, you did send me a a picture. I did see a picture that was sent to me earlier on on WhatsApp. And uh, it is... It's controversial. People who will have remembered me at Watford, I think it was, um, post New Year yeah, party. Um, I wore a little bit of a, a little bit of Wing Commander tash. This for me, this is a lot worse or better depending on which way you look at it. So, so I'm looking forward to looking forward to yeah, to, up to the peeps uh, to decide. Yeah, up to the peeps to decide. Uh, but we're not. It's not just me and you today, Joe. We've no. got a special guest, a menage a toi. As they say, um, which I've missed this. I missed a bit of three-way action. Um, oh. First time, first time on the podcast, but but no stranger to a mic in his hand. Football commentator. He's commented on the Premier League. He's commented on the EFL, on the Bundesliga. He's featured on Talk Sport, BT Sport, Be In Sports, All Sports, Al Jazeera, even Villa. But most importantly, for this show, he is a huge Wolverhampton Wanderers fan. Welcome to the show, Mr. James Fielden. James Hi Fielden. Hi guys, how are you doing? How's it going, pal? Great to have you on. We've been we've been looking to have you on for such a such a long time, but we've had packed shows. But now there's not a lot going on. I've called on your resources. That's very kind. Just just uh, I know my place in the pecking order after Mikey, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure there'll still be some people uh, flanked in after me. So. All good, so, all good. So, so yeah. I mean, for people who who haven't heard you or seen you or or you haven't um, trolled them on on, on Twitter, um, what what what, what uh, tell tell us the piece a little bit about you and about about you and 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 you know, obviously been a been a massive Wolves fan. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, always been a Wolves fan. Um, grew up and went to school in Penkridge, which I'm sure you've been to many times. Uh, just outside uh, Stafford. Uh, now live in London, well, but I've actually well. I've actually uh, left London for the foreseeable because of everything that's going on. Probably best to be out of there. So uh, I'm in sunny yes. Shropshire for the foreseeable future, and it's uh, it's treating me very well. Is it is it glorious? Is it? It is very nice actually. I went out in my shorts yesterday for a nice walk, um, and yes, yeah, it's, it's nice down by the River Severn. Lots going on. Well, normally lots going on. Obviously, pretty quiet at the moment. But so um, you're going for you're going for your daily exercise part of the day. Yeah, I mean, I was I, I live in South London, and as you know, you know, around there's lots of parks, commons, and different bits and pieces. And I went for a run, and so many people. Um, and it's just so kind of not claustrophobic, but you know, it's it's very 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 busy, and things are just a bit more relaxed up here. So um, any uh, uh, any any social back. distancing issues you've had? Um, a woman did walk into a bush the other day when I was walking down by the canal. Uh, <laughs> what to get away from a you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I thought I was two meters, but obviously she she thought not. But um, 
<laughs> so she made a point by literally well, burying herself in a exaggerated bush. yeah and someone I, I was running the other day i had earphones in so i couldn't hear and some um some woman shouted something at me i don't know what she was saying but um maybe she didn't like the wolves training top i was wearing and she's a a salop fan i don't know but uh was it was it black navy blue or gray what the top I was wearing? Yeah, they're the Wolves training top from this year. They've got some. Oh no, no, no! This one's retro. It's like Lecoq Sporty from two thousand and six. Uh, oh, very nice. Um, yeah, so it's red, <laughs> and they're sponsored um, by Reekin. It's it was like an old academy top or something like that. But um, but yeah, all's all's good. I'm missing the football. I missed it a lot for the first week, and and you know because it's my hobby, it's my job. Uh, but I'm over it a bit now, and I just kind of feel like we're in pre-season. But um, you know, there are there are more important things. So. There are more important things going on. Um, I must admit, the highlight of my week's been writing on FIFA tournaments. Thought uh, that's that's exactly what uh, three years of a, of a BA honours and uh, and a masters course uh, was 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 for. But um, you know, like I say, Wolves won, so so it's all good. I did have a stinker of a day uh, on Tuesday this week. This is this is horrible. I'm not sure whether I continued this conversation with you, Joe, or not. But um, last week on the podcast, I kind of went through. What we thought was corona. Oh, you you diagnosed it, Joe, didn't you? Think I had coronavirus? Oh yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. So I forgot I, about I, this. I, I had a tight chest. Uh, couldn't potentially breathe. Couldn't really work out properly. Lost sense of smell, sense of taste for a, a good week. Little bit of fever. Must have it. Must have it. Doctor Ed, Edwards, you've you've got it. You've got it. So so anyway, on Tuesday, um, there's a, there's a health clinic close to us um, in Dorridge where you can kind of drive in. Um, you book an appointment, you drive in, and a doctor comes out to your car, takes a little prick of your uh, of your finger, takes a bit of blood. You, you obviously pay for it in advance privately, and then 15 minutes later, you come out with a test. He tells you whether you've got corona, you've, or so you've had coronavirus or not. Um, you can only do it since the 11, at least 11 days after your first symptoms. So mine was 14 days afterwards. So I'm thinking, okay, perfect. Now. What do you think you want the result to be? Now, for me, I'm going in there thinking I want to have had it. Does that make sense? You kind of do, don't you? Yeah, because then if you've had it and you've had the worst of it, then you're immune to having it again. Apparently, yeah. although there's, there's, there's various tales going yeah. around that, that you know you may get it again. Anyway, not a good start. First of all, couldn't find it. Second of all, I'm late for the appointment. Third of all, it's the tiniest drive ever. So I, I've, I've, I've gone into this drive and I've heard... James, James, you'll you'll um, you'll sympathise with me. The, the the dreaded, and I look to the Ooh. side of my car and I'm like, oh no, and and you know I've got a I've got a newish car, so to speak. Oh, the whole panel, mate, against the Ooh. gate is scratched. Taking it away, taking a little bit of the wheel arch away. There was no coming back from it. So anyway, I've made it in to this uh, to this car park. I'm looking at it, I'm taking pictures, I'm thinking this has cost me already the best part of 500 quid at least from this trip. Then the guy comes in, do the test. Long story short, I haven't got it. Apparently I'm negative, although it's 80%. It's the ones they use in Northern Italy. I haven't got it. So I've gone all that way to find out that I haven't got it and I've wrecked my car in the, in the process. You're welcome. Uh, <sighs> I, um, I actually went to that game that they've been talking about a lot in the media over the last couple of weeks, that Atalanta-Valencia game that was at San Siro. Oh, go on. Um, I went to it. I was out there in Italy working, and it was um, the day after the night I was working, if that makes sense. So mm. me and a mate decided to buy tickets for it. 
Um, and that's been the game because Atalanta are from Bergamo, which is obviously the worst hit place in northern yes. Italy. And, you know, there were 40,000 that night who went down to San Siro wow. for the Champions League game. And a lot of reports are saying that they think that's where it spread so much. And obviously, you know, so many of that Valencia squad have tested positive for it. And obviously they all went back to Spain along with the 4,000 fans that were there. Yeah. And they think that that night was a massive spreader of it. And um, I'm diabetic, so you tend to have a weaker immune system anyway. And I was fine. I didn't feel anything bad of it at all. And, you know, at that point, no one was even really talking about it as a big thing around the world just in China or whatever. Yeah. And then the week after we went to Barca for that Espanyol game. Mm-hmm. And then two days after that, I came back and I was doing some highlights uh, in London and developed a cough. Um, oh, and it only lasted for a day. Uh, yeah, yeah. It only lasted for a day and had a very, very weak cold as well. But um, maybe so you think you've had, had like it, a mild strain of it, maybe? Possibly. I don't know whether Joe can diagnose me as well or... Uh, well, I've misdiagnosed Nathan, so I'm at... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so um, yeah, so I actually went to that game. But uh, apart from someone trying to set me on fire, that was it was quite an uneventful evening, to be honest. I was walking to the ground with my mate, and this guy just ran up to me with a lighter and started trying to flame my jeans. And I was like, "What on earth are you doing?" And my mate speaks Italian. My mate speaks Italian, and I was like, "Can you ask him what on earth he's doing?" And he muttered some words to me. He'd had, he'd had a few Peronis. And uh, he said, apparently, in Italian, he said, I'm an Atalanta fan, I do what I want. Wow. Which, um, yeah. That was oh. the biggest threat of the night, to be honest. But, uh, no, that, um, well, f- fair enough. I mean, goodness no me. Need, that's, that's astonishing. Um, Joe, any, um, anyone tried to, to light your pants on fire? <laughs> on your honeymoon? <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, <laughs> I don't really so, know where to go from there. So, so let's uh, well let's go let's go on to a bit of football. I guess I guess we should do um, bounce a bit over and cross that off. Um, so, gents, as as things stand, and I know this is very hypothetical with you know news changing daily, not just you know from from the sporting world, but but obviously health wise and, and and bigger fish to fry. But at this moment in time of us recording this podcast on Thursday, the 9th of April. What do you think happens to this season? Uh, you know, when do you think it will commence? Do you think it will recommence? From what you've gathered over the last week or so, and, and, and with a lot of them in the last last thirty minutes, with some news that are coming out, what do you think will happen? Maybe uh, James, maybe you start, and, and then Joe, you can follow up. Yeah. So, just of what we've seen in the last hour or so, there's a letter that's been leaked that's been sent out by the EFL chairman Rick Parry today to all the major stakeholders at all the clubs, and they basically said that. Um, no training should resume until at least the 16th of May. And I think, you know, we've obviously got this indefinite suspension at the moment. And if you think in the 16th of May, if you then, I don't know, add on a couple of weeks onto that, there's like a kind of mini pre-season to get people back up and running again. You're then looking at the 30th of May, maybe. So, you know, that's the obviously the last couple of days of May and then we're into June. So probably going to be looking at a June start date again as a minimum at the moment, unless things get worse. But as as we were talking about before we came on air, like no one can really predict it, can they? You can't say it's going to be at this date, you can't say it's going to be at that date. And one of the things that Boris Johnson said, I think, in one of his press conferences before he was taken ill, was that you know they can't allocate any emergency services to any you know sporting events or other events which require them. And I think you know if you host a, a football match in the league or the Premier League, like a requirement sure. is to have an ambulance on standby, for example. So until you kind of get that okay, I don't really see how you can proceed. So. Yeah, Joe. Do you, do you think? But yeah. Do you think the same, Joe? Do you think probably early early June being the absolute earliest of, of a restart? 
Yeah, I think we said June, July, didn't we? Last week, the week before, and as the days go on and on, behind closed doors, he's looking more and more of a, of a possibility. It's just looking so un- unlikely, getting fans in over the next you know, two or three months, to be honest. Um, and what that obviously isn't ideal, but um, I'm glad that the kind of the tone of the conversation is more so leaning towards now resuming football when it's safe and appropriate to do so. I mean, I, f- I think it was about a week and a half ago when it kind of was all first coming to a head, and you know, apparently voiding the season was becoming more of a more of a of an idea of Premier League clubs. So of course, we saw the non-league seasons from step three and below voided but then there's been a complaint about that since and people are trying to get the decision reversed Wolves women were uh, victims of that as well so I'm just glad that the the talk about voiding has been um, kind of has kind of died down a little bit and um, yes we'd all want to we'd all want it to, to see it resume when when crowds can come in um, I don't think there's a massive rush, but we spoke about it the other day. Uh, it can't wait forever either. So um, I think getting the games done behind closed doors is looking the you know, the most sensible uh, you know option of, of, of anything at the moment. And, and James, you obviously got the added. I'm not going to say complication because it's not a complication, but you've got the whole Europa situation to to play itself out as well. I mean, you know, if we do start by let's say first second week of June, this is going to go go on until probably, you, you've got to think, August-ish? Yeah, I think there's going to be a massive overlap everywhere with games. You know, UEFA have this kind of loose rule at the moment that you're not meant to play domestic games that overlap with UEFA games. I think that's going to have to go out the window. You know, the UK um, football authorities have already got the the blackout rule overturned for Saturdays with the UEFA. So they're kind of putting everything in place, I think, to kind of get ready for when it comes back. But there's just going to be a lot of games in a very short space of time, I think, before you know everything in, in theory gets started again. I, I think next season they're going to have to do a South American-style uh, season where you only play half the matches and you either play each team home or away, which will be controversial, especially if um, Albion come up, for example. I mean, if you end up playing them and you don't get, end up getting a Black Country derby, whether it's at Wolves or the Hawthorns, depending on who you support. Um, you well, know, you think there'll only be, be one, one fixture per... Per game, yeah, I, half I can, a season. I can see it being a 19-game season. They do that in South America really? quite a lot, yeah, to try and keep people interested because then, in theory, you're never far from the top or the bottom. So, you know, if you see your side's going to go into mid-table obscurity, they keep it as a, a short season so that, you know, you're always fighting for something so the crowds stay up. That's what they do it as. So they kind of have a... They call it an apertura and a clausura, which means opening and closing each calendar year. So this, each, is, this is why we brought you on for, yeah. for, for stats like that, mate. <laughs> so each year you you essentially get two champions, but I think if it was in England, not too many people would be counting it as a serious a serious title. But I can see that you know because that could happen from January until you know May next year because it's only nineteen games. So that's how I would see it playing out. But with yeah, fans, we'll if it's that's if it's in twenty twenty one, yeah, I can't see too many fans going to games this side of this side mm. of Christmas certainly in this season that has to be played which is which is really bad isn't it because you know the Wolves fans especially have had it tough with the Europa League this season with everything that's gone on you know what happened with Bratislava got soaked in Braga didn't see most of the game in Braga yeah. 
Um, you know, and everything that's happened at all the other individual games with little incidents here and there. And, You're right, the Espanyol allocation and, and yeah. then Olympiacos with no one there. I mean, exactly. they have had it tough. And then and then you do finish off this, if they do finish off the Europa League and, and you know, you, you, you're in no man's land with the Olympiacos game after one leg. And then, you know, it's almost... I think it's almost a given now that there'll be a one-off games in in the quarters and semis if if Wolves get there. It's such a shame, isn't it? That I'm not going to say that I'm not going to say it's taken the shine off off the campaign, you know, because if they're going to win it, they're, they're going to win it. But at the same time, it's been this broken season. People will look back at it as a um, well, probably a, a disappointing time overall, regardless with what happens. Yeah, especially in the the way the club's grown in the last few years, and it's almost been halted at a point because of. You know things out of their control, and you know you've got to keep saying it. Like there are more important things than football, but for a lot of people, football's their life. For me, it's my work. For you two, it's the same, and you know it's your hobby as well. So, you know, a lot of people do have strong feelings about it. I mean, I've had to go back to watching Dream Team Series Seven the last couple of wow. days. Just, uh, yeah, yeah. Marcel Sabatier Lin- captaining them. You know, just brought in Luke Davenport. He's got an eye condition. Fletcher, but, um, what's happening with Carl? He's just been released, but he's come oh, back with a no. consortium to buy the club. So uh... Baptiste, uh, Baptiste, I'm not sure if he's in it. Linda Block still in it? More, more importantly, no, they've just been taken over by some scousers who got won a lucky seat raffle at the end of a game. It's just been a court case. Anyway, back to the back to the season. Um, but yeah, no. What Joe, Joe's, say, Joe's, got, Joe's got no idea what we're talking about. He's like dream team. What's that? Footballers' wives, mate. Oh. Um, no, so, yeah, I mean, I just I think they're going to have to put so many things in place. There's so many different people that you have to consider when you're staging a match. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've got a lot of time to think about it and put these things in place. And I know the Belgian League have ended their season, which makes sense for them because they have a, play- a weird playoff system anyway. But um, I- I'd be really disappointed if this season doesn't get played out because what's the point in starting a new one before you've finished, you know, one that you've played three quarters of? It just, just makes no sense at all, so... Absolutely. Um, and you know, like I say, it's, it's difficult for the fans, it's difficult for the club, it's difficult for the players. Uh, Joe, you spoke to, to Matt Doherty last week. Um, we've got some really good interview. We've got a couple, a couple of minutes of audio from that, which I think was really interesting. So we're going to play that and then have a, a little chat um, about what the Irishman said. Here is that interview. We have, we have some... We all left with a bit of gear. They gave us gear to take back. Um... So look, there is there is there is things we can do, but it's more the motivation part of it. Um, you just like to have a date when you know you're going to be back, so you can kind of pace yourself. At the moment, you're just doing runs, and for what reason, you don't really know when 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 you, the fitness is going to be needed. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a difficult part. Have you have you, have you been to Compton at all? Because I know it's available to you know for one. Yeah, I've been, I think I've been there three times so far. It's, um, I guess it's a, it's a handy one because you have the hour time slot and there's nobody there except you. Um, and it kind of gets, for me anyway, I live in Aldridge, so it's a kind of 40-minute four, drive or so. It kind of gets you out of the house for a bit of time. Um, but you have proper running. There's no, the pictures are perfect still to run on. There's nobody around you, I guess. Um, so it, it is quite handy. So I guess fair play to the club for, for putting that on. They've been kind of, they've been great through this whole process in terms of, getting us whatever gym products we might need they supply food for us if we need food so um they'd be fantastic good 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 to hear what what's the what's the contact like between between you as a as a squad i'd imagine you're all still kind of in a whatsapp group is is, you know you're still having contact with the coaching staff and things like that 
Yeah, there's a few WhatsApp groups. Um, obviously players and players and staff, and then there's a there's another one for like their fitness programs and stuff like that. So like we're and obviously with everything that's happening, there's a lot of challenges going around. So everyone's nominating each other on the team. So um and commenting on each other's posts. So there is there is a lot of contact still. Um, I would say just as much as what it would be like if you were in there anyway. Uh, maybe if, maybe if not, maybe even a little bit more um, goes into the group chats because I guess when we left, we were told uh, that we need to, we need to keep in contact. We need to keep the unique atmosphere that we have and the unique team team bonding and team uh, spirit together. So that was Mr. Matt Doherty. Um, really good stuff he's, he's had to say, and I think a couple of things that that I picked up from from that interview. Um, first of all going on runs and he's like for what reason it must be so difficult for them to to know what what's going to happen i mean we're speculating now but for them to get their bodies you know in in shape and in match condition james you said earlier on that it's going to take at least a couple of weeks in like a mini pre-season for them to to get up and running again but to to not know and to be at that that top level you know of, of world sport and to not know what's going to be happening week to week not just not just physically but mentally must be so difficult yeah, I think that's the I think that's the problem because, you know, there's no date on it ultimately. So you know, you're training and training and training and training and doing all this home workouts, going into Compton to do bits and pieces. I saw Daniel Pudence has been uploading a load of videos of him doing keep ups and stuff like that. It's been interesting to see how much ball work they've actually done because mm. you know, I saw Johnny as well. He's got a very small back garden with a bit of patchy grass. <laughs> I don't really know how much he's been able to do on that. Um, Same as Jean Moutinho, but but, yeah. but patchy grass, small gardens. <laughs> Judging by, I don't think Johnny uh, needs Instagram a wheelbarrow, videos. to be honest. But uh, <laughs> no, but um, that's that's the thing. Is there's no date, so you're not working towards a date. You're not saying, right, I need to do this on this week to get ready for stepping up for doing this next week. You're just kind of training indefinitely with no end point in sight. Ultimately, I don't know how Joe sees it, but that must be must just be a really weird mindset to get your head around. I think. Yeah, Joe, and and, and like uh, like like James just said as well. Nuno is so precise with everything that goes on. It's, it's to the minute, it's to the hour, it's to the second of, of when they're eating, what they're eating, because working to certain dates and certain times, so the not knowing and the, and the unknown factor must must be twice as hard. Yeah, and, and especially for, for a group that, as you say, operates the way that Wolves do. I mean, we spoke about it a lot of times, but Nuno is truly day-to-day, game-by-game, things like that. And on a day-to-day, you just don't know... What's happening? Um, you know, obviously things become a little bit clearer as time goes on. Fingers crossed, but there's no elements of planning that you can really do. And as as we as we said earlier in the podcast, you know, May sixteenth is looking like the earliest date where a group can get together. So it's it's all individual stuff. And yeah, you know, the the lads are doing running sessions at Compton, and they're doing a lot of you know, stretching work and, you know, assisted weights and things like that. And as, as Matt said, the, you know, the walls have been very good in making sure they've got all the equipment that they need to do that. But there's there's nothing like, you know, kick, kicking kicking a ball around. And, you know, there's a difference between being fit and, and being match fit. Um, you know, it's just one of those old cliches, but it, but it, it rings ever so true. You, you only get fit for matches by playing matches. And um, it's... You know, you build up your build up your fitness over time, and um, it's it's going to be very difficult for for these players to go from you know obviously doing stuff at home they are exercising, but doing that to then 
go into the high level of, of Premier League and, and Europa League games, it's it's quite the task. And, and, and Matt, you know, has said it's you know the biggest real test of mental resilience he's had in all his career because it's even different from pre-season where. You even have a return date in mind at the moment. Wolves are in limbo. They, they haven't got a clue when they're coming back. The other thing, I saw a video from Rui Patricio the other week, actually, where he was doing like something in front of his garage. I don't know if you saw that one, where he was doing like little kind of shuttles and little steps and then like a motion with his leg as though he was going to lay the ball off, but there was no ball there. <laughs> it was like <laughs> that bit from Mike Bassett, England manager, where they lose all the balls and they're just like, yeah, go on, give me one, two, one, two, and you know, doing all this stuff and they haven't got a ball or whatever. But the other thing that Doherty kind of talk, Doherty, sorry, talked about in there is the, the food issue. You know, at least one of their meals a day will be cooked by the chefs at Compton, if, they, mm-hmm. if not two, they have breakfast as well. Um, you know, the chefs they have, you know, Joe will tell you because he spends a lot more time there than me. The chefs travel around with him to every single game before the Europa League games. The chef travels out uh, two days before to make sure the hotel's ready and has everything in place to what the players need. Um, you know, so the, the players are just like the rest of us. They're probably having to do a lot more home cooking. Um, there's, there's been some disasters like... in those kitchens, haven't there? There'd there, there, <laughs> there be some absolute stinkers. I had a nightmare with some custard the other day. It just wouldn't thicken. I chucked in some corn flour and I suddenly had scrambled eggs. But do you know what I mean? These, these are the things we're all having to deal with and I'm sure it's the same for them. But, sure. you know, they're in the same boat as us, but it sounds like Wolves have certainly catered for them food-wise. And, uh, yeah, they're not having to scrape around the shelves looking for random bits and pieces. And that's why I guess social groups are so important. And, and Doc talked about, um, you know, the, the WhatsApp groups and, and they've got ones with the, the coaching staff and the manager. I'm sure they've got one among the players as well. They've got to make sure you put the right message in the right, right group, by the way, guys, because there, there, be there could be some issues <laughs> kicking around. Uh, but it's nice, you know, they're sending each other videos and challenges. Um, and uh, that, that's what is important. And I guess, you know, Wolves have been very incredibly successful over the last few seasons. So it's good to have that team camaraderie. And I'm sure it's maybe easier than someone who's, who's losing every week. Uh, but at the same time, you do feel that this, uh, this team are very, very well connected, don't you? And it is, it is important to keep that morale up amongst the players. Because, you know, these guys, we, I mean, we talk about it. I mean, I know, Joe, you're a young book. But, you know, th- these are young kids as well. You know, it's a very young squad. So you've got to have, you know, constant... Um, Chats and reminders and a little bit of humour just to keep you going. Yeah, I think it's, it's, easy it's, to, it's gone, Joe. Sorry, mate. I was just going to say it's easy to forget how young some of these players are. I mean, you know, Ruben Nevers has been a mainstay for for three years, but he's still only twenty three. Same goes for Jota. Traore's twenty four, and you know, a lot of a lot of these players do have families and are family men, but a, a lot of them are. You know, a very young as well. Uh, Pedro Neto, you know, obviously, you know, a young player coming from Portugal, still kind of getting used to the culture and things like that. And Morgan Gibbs White is another who kind of lives with his parents and things like that. So, it's it's an interesting dynamic for everyone. And I think, as Doc Doc pointed out, you've got you've got to make sure that you're there for each other because it, it can be obviously, you know, we we with our our loved ones and whatever in in our houses, but. It is a lonely time. You, you don't see you don't see anything of people, and you know speaking to people over the phone can make a lot of difference. And for a team that's been so successful as Wolves have been, keeping that camaraderie and that team spirit there is uh, is crucial. I was going to say, you know, it's the same for all of us as it is for them. I think as bad a, a time it is for us, so many people, and obviously, you know, so many people have lost their lives. You've got to try and keep a, a mild sense of humour about it all, which is why we've seen so many of these random, you know, videos that have been doing the rounds on WhatsApp and, you know, on Twitter and Instagram and all this kind of thing. Um, 
and yeah, like like Joe was saying, some of these guys are so young, not only in isolation, but in isolation in another country. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with with all they've got is their phone and iPad or whatever to kind of contact other people. So, you know, as as bad as we think we've got it in our own country, you know, for some of the guys who are maybe in the in the higher end of the academy as well, who are perhaps foreign players or, you know, even the younger ones like Joe was saying, who are in the first team, you know, they've got something else to deal with as well. Of course. Um, great stuff, guys. So, like I say, on the pitch, things are, things were going well before before this all, all you know, came to light. But uh, off the pitch, with this uh, this virus, Wolves are doing some incredible work um, with various charitable donations. Quite a few have been announced today and, and, and last night. Joe, do you want to tell us a little bit about, about them? Because, you know, Wolves are just, just such a great club, aren't they, with some of the stuff and so generous, really. Yeah, fantastic. It's re- really good to see because we, we had a couple of players make donations last week. Uh, Ruben Neves was to uh, 30 grand's worth of medical equipment to a Portuguese hospital and Leo Campana was doing um, stuff uh, for, for communities back in Ecuador. But, you know, a, a few fans were saying, well, let's see, you know, something done over here, which which really was, uh, it, it, was, it wasn't getting on their backs, but I think it was, you know, fair enough. And, um, you know, Wolves have, have duly obliged. Um, Six-figure donation to the Wolverhampton NHS Trust. So that looks after Newcastle Hospital, uh, Canic Chase Hospital, West Park Hospital as well. Um, you know, six-figure donation. So that's at least um, you know one hundred thousand pounds, and that that's going to make a, a huge difference. Someone, someone's got a maths GCSE. Well, by the well way. yeah, I, I was on about it to you on the phone earlier, and you and you said a million quid. <laughs> <laughs> it was early, mate. It was early. So, but but so it's 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 um it's making a big difference, and I think them building um you know new wards, um kind of temporary wards at, at the hospital. So uh, you know the, a big chunk of the money is gonna 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 help with that. And aside from that, all the Wolves players have joined in with this uh, Players Together initiative. Um, they've all all of them have banded together, put. All the money in a pot, which is then being collectively donated to that fund for the NHS as well, and new now has been donating back in Portugal as well. We've uh, it's quite the trio actually. Um, new now, George Mendes, of course, new now's agent, and uh, just a just a five time Ballon d'Or winner, Cristiano Ronaldo, um, all banding together and um, raising money for a hospital in uh, Guimarães. So. Um, Great to see that. I'm surprised there hasn't been a Birmingham Mail article linking uh, Ronaldo to Wolves then with those three uh, <laughs> contributing. <laughs> the donation that all Wolves fans will be interested in, that one. That, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Love triangle right there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fantastic work and they do, they're, doing, they're doing a great job. And it's just, it's, it's just you're very proud, I guess, to, to, to work, and, and, to work and, and to look after this club and, and to cover them because they do some, some amazing stuff. And they're always ahead of the curve, aren't they? I think they just... They read the situation right, and you see a lot of other clubs, you know, sticking their um, sticking their foot in it really. And um, I mean, yeah, with furlough schemes or, or just you know social distancing, and it's, it, you just don't see that coming out of Wolves too much, do you? No. These days, or players getting up to up to certain misdemeanors. I feel like it's 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 a fantastic club, not only for you know for your, for general supporter, but a family club as well. Yeah, it's and it's not. It's not. Um, it's not like PR. You know, it's, they're not doing no. it for PR points. It's they genuinely care, and you know, we've we've seen you know, as you say, so many make gaffes over this period. I mean, 
Liverpool got credit the other day for, for for going back on their furlough decision, but that was a that was a shocking decision in the in the first place, really. Now for a club that's been so profitable, um, and you know Wolves of it's not just been in Wolverhampton. I think Fausen flew twelve tons of of medical supplies to Lisbon last week. They've kind of got they've got a global um, it, coronavirus relief uh, program. So, so it's all all, up, all over the globe, really. If four thousand masks in Wolverhampton this week as well from them, um, we mentioned Campana, uh, Neves. I mean, Cody will have been, you know, heavily involved with these, um, you know, players players together, um, you know, talks as 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 Wolves' captain. So it's um, it's 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 very good to see, and um, you know, we we want we want. People to to be stepping up and being counted and being good uh, ambassadors and representatives of, of Wolves and you know Wolves have got a very good bunch. Thank you very much, Joe. We've got some questions now. Questions from the peeps. I tell you what, they they always come up trumps these uh, these legends each week, and there's a few newbies, but there's some. I would say that these are probably some of the best questions that I've had for for at least a month. At least a month. So let's go on with, um, here we go. Um, Lard Windwater, that, that cannot be a real name, but if it is, I mean, fair play. Uh, guys, what are you, I'll put it to you two, what are you missing at most at the moment uh, in the Wolves footy world and also in everyday life? Uh, James, do you want to go first? Ooh, uh, I've got a weakness for eating out, so I guess that would probably be the big thing that I'm missing. But yeah, I mean... Just what, just watching football. I mean, it's it's hard to kind of go beyond that, really. Just the kind of feeling of going to a live game. I think, I think when that eventually does come back, I think the first time that goal goes in, whether it's a dribbler from two yards or a a, a Nevsh blockbuster, I think it's going to be uh, something special. Ah, uh, yes, the old Nevsh. You were the first one to uh, to bring that into uh, into action, weren't you? Well, yeah, I wasn't going to mention it actually, but you forced my hand, so um, I actually uh, came across. Yeah, I, I, I did have it in there, but then uh, I took it out. But, uh, I mean, you, you are you are one for pronunciations, aren't you? Well, I actually came across him saying it the other day. Um, so I don't know if I can play this clip. Hang on a sec, and this might just put the whole thing to bed. Hang on. I don't know if you heard that. Robinavsh. Robinavsh. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, whoever whoever it is, uh, I think that'll be the. That'll be the good feeling, but obviously we just don't know when it's going to be. So um, it's kind of that ongoing, that ongoing question that's not going to get answered until you're even going to che- che- cheer the first VAR of the uh, of the resumption. Uh, probably not. Actually, I do some of the work that I do is actually in the same building as where VAR happens. And actually, the last time I was in the building, um, I came out of the toilets as Anthony Taylor went in full kit, which was a bit strange. Oh God. Um, it's very, very odd seeing them walking around making, holding trays of teas and stuff like that. Um, very, very odd. But uh, yeah, probably won't be cheering that to be honest. But um, yeah, um, Nick, yeah. Were, were they in full kit, mate? The referees, yeah, they all. They, I mean, well, they're not there in kind of boots, obviously, but Short they've got the tracksuit on. No, <laughs> they've got the tracksuit on. Okay. Um, but yeah, they're all hidden away in a little in a little room and a couple. Of, Couple of floors up, and actually, you know, so, some of the um, some of the wolves fans think they are against wolves or whatever. But actually, outside the room is a forty-foot banner of Nuno, <laughs> right outside the VAR <laughs> room, because it's where they it's where they do um, Premier League TV, right, basically. And uh, so they've kind of decorated it with loads of different Premier League stuff. 
and they've got loads of different banners of managers and the star players and all this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, there's a big, huge banner of Nuno uh, right outside the room. So uh, brilliant! Certainly... Again, again, amazing facts, amazing facts. Nick Arnold, what is the worst ground you've ever visited as fans or as journalists? Oh God, I've got some. I've got some writer. You've had some stinkers. You used to be Telford United reporter. You must have some absolute shockers. Yeah, Gainsborough Trinity was my first away game uh, covering <gasps> Telford, and that was that was a bit of a bit of a hole. To say the least. Um, Gainsborough Trinity, Leamington, you did that with me, Nath, which is basically a far- farmer's field and smelt yeah, like a farmer's least, field. At least you can go into Leamington Spa, though, mate, and, and you know you can get a nice, a nice little coffee. You can have a little bit of a shop, a little bit of a wander around. It's not too far with a nice little tuck shop at Leamington. I've Does Leamington have a that. McDonald's? Pardon? Does Leamington have a McDonald's? Uh, uh, well, Are they above that? <laughs> if it had, I would have sampled it. I think. But um... <laughs> what are you like? Just on a side note, what are you like when McDonald's monopoly comes along? Are you just like not ever out well, of there? Or well, the the cancelled it, didn't they? The, 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 this year yeah. because of. I mean, that's that might well be one of the worst things that's happened. Hardly uh, <laughs> 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 joking. I used to but, do it back um... in the day, back in the twenty-one stone days. I used to love a, a good old McDonald's monopoly. But yeah, um... all you ever win is an apple pie or a cheeseburger or you know a medium coke or something. You, you never get to the. The big prizes, do you? Well, I never did. Joe, you must you must have got to a few big prizes in your time. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, an apple pie or a free coffee is about as good as it gets, isn't it? But free food, you take it all day long. Everyone else is trading to... football stickers on the playground and he's there with his Monopoly stickers saying, <laughs> I'll, tra- I'll trade you a shiny for Park Lane. <laughs> do you know what I thought used to be um, an underrated McDonald's uh, item of food? A cinnamon donut. Mm. I like a no. cinnamon swirl mm. from Press. They're quite good. I don't know if you've ever. No, mm. I haven't. I haven't uh, partaked. T- Toffee Sun. These used to be the best ninety-nine p you could spend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In um, in McDonald's, they were absolutely phenomenal. They, like do a a de, they do a dulce de leche Sunday in uh, Argentina McDonald's. I have one of them at the end of last year. Ugh. They're like kind of caramel, but more intense. So uh, they're good. On, on the stadiums, though, I don't know. Yes. Got caramel Sunday. As a fan, Ninian Park was horrendous. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, well, this is obviously before your time, but when Cardiff played there and when Wolves played there, there were a few fixtures which were called bubble fixtures. So if you wanted to go as an away fan, you had to get a bus from Wolverhampton. So even if you lived in Cardiff, I think there was a, a actual case that a Wolves fan living in Cardiff had to get a, had to travel back to Wolverhampton to get on one of the official coaches oh, no. to then come down and you had to stop no. at services and pick up your ticket. Um, and then you got, you know, kind of a police escort into the ground, and they used to chuck all kinds because it was a terrace, a split terrace with a net in the middle, and all kinds used to get chucked over there. That was pretty, pretty grim. Uh, that was, not, that was not, pretty bad as a fan. I'm not a fan of Goodison, actually. Just having a think. Um, oh, I mean, I think you'll, you'll, no, but you'll agree with this. I, no, it needs tearing well, down. It's 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 it's, it's, it's horrible. It's, it's horrible so... to work as a journalist. I mean, there's icon. I guess I get there's iconic stadium and stuff like that, but it's just it's just dilapidated. It it and it's for someone who is six foot three working in those press benches is is, is very very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, uh, that that's probably my least favourite ground to visit uh, covering Wolves, and I mean that you know if by. Games with Trinity standards, it's obviously better than that. But um, Brentford's pretty bad for the same reasons. Yeah, That's Brentford's bad. Yeah, year. Uh, I remember uh, going to Nuneaton Borough. That's horrible. Um, I tell you what, Grimsby Town on a Tuesday night in, in, in December's not great either. I haven't been there. That's on my list of 
the ones I've done Park. and wanted to. Yeah, not being up there. Uh, Scunthorpe's not great either, to be honest. But uh, in terms but of other grounds, other grounds that I really don't like. Uh, hmm. I went to the Omladinsky Stadium once. Do you know where that is? Um, sounds. I'm going to say Polish. Yeah. Mm, close, same kind Croatian? of area. Mm, not bad, closer. Serbia, it's in Belgrade. Okay, I went cool. to watch OFK Belgrade against FK Rad, which was a derby. What a, um, what a game that is. They serve grape kebabs at half time. <laughs> this what, woman like comes fruit? along with a basket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, there's some very strange things went on there. Uh, that was an odd, odd place. That was in like the top flight of Serbian football, and there were about. 200 people there on a Thursday afternoon watching this game and yeah it wasn't 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 memorable to be honest um, good question I can't like that uh, Andy Hodge would you let your missus cut your hair would you rather look like a caveman uh, South I've offered gr- to cut my cut my hair the other day mm, really and did you did you decline politely uh, yeah yeah I mean I've done the bit I've, I've done the moustache uh, I can't really if I touch the hair now I mean it might just be too radical of a change. Mm. So I'm going to stick with it for now. I've, I've, I've seen a few um, sh- shaving their heads. Uh, a few I of saw Pedro are... Neto. Oh, I'm not convinced about that, by Yeah, the way. Neto has, Powden has as well. Which, I mean, Powden's pretty much big tea. Big tea. He, 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 he went wrong he with went. that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, James, uh, would you let your missus cut your hair? <laughs> Well, I cut, I, cut my own hair. I cut my own hair every three days anyway, so, uh, <laughs> but when the sun's out like this, you know, it grows back a lot quicker. I've been on a couple of walks in the last couple of days and you, you feel it coming through, so. Sun's know. out, guns out, mate. Yeah. <laughs> so, um. I cut so, Baloo's, yeah. I cut, cut Baloo's bum the other day, little bum hair on, on oh, the dogs. Does that, does that count? Give him a little bit of a trim outside. Um, <laughs> I don't uh, know what to say. <laughs> That's why you come on this podcast, mate. Oh, uh, dear. James Wright, should I have a pot noodle or super noodles for lunch? I've had both over the last week. Of course you um, have. And I would say a pot noodle. Um, pot noodle just for easiness because you can get you know you, you don't have to do too much to it. Kettle boil, stick it in, get you know get mix it, and then you've got your fork and there's no there's no throw it away. Easy, easy. I think super noodles is a little bit harder, isn't it? Stick it in a pan, yeah. Pour some boiling water over it, wait for a bit, stir it, add the sachet, etc. I've got an admission: I've never had a pot noodle. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> there are two things what? I've never had. I've never had an omelette, and I've never had a pot noodle. Have you never been to university? Uh, I have been to university, but I never, never had a pot noodle. Just, um, just not really my thing. I, mean, I like noodles. I've just never had, just never had a pot noodle. So I used to like the beef, ch- the, the chow mein noodles. I used to like with the soy sauce in. Those used to be my favourite. But the best bit, and I haven't had a pot noodle obviously for like fifteen years. The best bit, and it's when you got down to the bottom. And Joe, you'll probably know, seeing as you have you know seven a week. Oh yeah. Um, now, is that I like the bit at the bottom which hasn't quite dissolved yet. And it's yes. Still a little bit crunchy yeah. and a little bit stickly. That's the best mm. bit, full of salt. Yeah, lovely. Lo- love a bit of... I think I had a... You love I, a bit of salt, don't you, Joe? Oh, I love a bit of salt. Uh, yeah, yeah a bit, bit of salt, salt at the bottom. Taste, yeah. yeah, I thought you did, yeah. <laughs> lovely. Um, Luke Brereton says, uh, Hi, Nathan. I hope you're keeping safe. Um, I'm spending my time looking after my 11-month-old and watching highlights of the previous Ashes series. Good lad, Luke. My question is, who do you think would make the best cricket player in past and present Wolves teams? Oh, goodness me. Um, 
let's have a look. Well, for, I'm going to just go for the last five years, and as that's what, how long I've been I've been with Wolves on, nearly six years now. Um, I'm going to say that I'm going to say Dave Edwards would be a very good cricketer. I think Cultured. he's one of those guys who would good at all sports, good all rounder, athletic in the field. Probably do a little bit of medium pace bowling, nip a couple out. Good little late order batsman. I think he'll be he'll be your all rounder in the team. Present. Do you know what want someone with a strong arm like uh, a Traore who can hit it out the ground? I don't think Traore is built for cricket, mate. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't think he, I don't think he's built. I tell you what, though, Willie Bolly off Willie Bolly running off twenty five yards, fast fast pace. Wouldn't fancy that. <laughs> Traore better as a fielder then because he can get to the ball quick or. Yeah, maybe, and yeah, maybe, it'll be throwing the ball into the. It'll be, it'll be going. It'll be going over the other end of the stadium. To be fair, when he throws it in with that arm, <laughs> goodness me. Um, yeah, I think Bolly. Bolly is a fast bowler, uh, kind of West Indian style. Patrick Patterson with the uh, the steel toe cap. I think he'd be absolutely rapid. Uh, so there you go. So Bolly and uh, Bolly and Dave Edwards, right? Da, 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 da. Paul Mansell says uh, maybe one for you, Joe. Can you shed some light on how you go about getting interviews with players in such circumstances? Do you have to go through an agent? How does the process work? So- yeah, that's a good question, actually, Paul. Very good um, question. Yeah, it, it's not it's not through um, an agent, but it will be through the uh, club's media department. Um, so, for example, setting up this interview um, with Doherty, got in touch with the head of media, uh, Max Max Fitzgerald, said, "Is there, you know, is there any possibility of, of doing an interview um, with one of the players just to kind of see, you know, how things are working?" and um, then spoke to Jack Walker, who kind of deals with the players. He's the kind of like he's part of the media part department, but he you know specifically kind of deals with the players. And um, came back to me with with Matt Doherty and re- really you know really good interview with him. I spoke to him for about you know ten fifteen minutes over the phone, and yeah, I've kind of done a, a few stories based on on the back of that chat. I mean, a few of the players have done. Um, separate stuff um the portuguese lads have, have done you know different interviews with portuguese papers i think raul jimenez had done one or two things with spanish papers which then you know they're they're out in the ether and we've kind of picked up on the back of that um hoping to get another you know a, another exclusive chat um you know fairly soon but um yeah matt doherty and it was a really good chat really really nice guy and um so speaking of cricket actually he actually mentioned that in in the chat that because um, asked him he's, he's nearly nearly coming up to ten years which is mm. mind blowing um, it could be due to testimonials to be honest um, still as testimonials I can't remember the last testimonial uh, I think it, I think company had one I, that's the last one I remember um, he had one in the summer didn't he and he didn't actually play because he was injured but um, yeah. it could be due one he said oh, well I think I'll just have a knock knock about uh, cricket have a <laughs> having me having me local park because he hasn't got a clue who he'd want to face because he's he's never never really played for anyone else you know so Wolves is all he's now and then he also mentioned that Will Norris apparently is absolutely terrible at cricket and wanted me to mention that specifically so uh, oh, really excellent <laughs> there you go but in terms uh, of in terms of the interviews you know we were talking about that Olympiacos game you two weren't there for that one um, the only thing I was, was, at, Chel- I was, at, I was at Cheltenham mate because yeah, so, well, it was all it was all safe at Cheltenham mate sixty five thousand of us it was chill. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, well, not obviously, but 
for anyone who might not have heard, the only people allowed in the stadium were us and those Olympiacos fans who were somehow allowed in. I'm not, still not really sure how that happened. But the only thing that was open to us was the actual press box that we all sit in to watch the game. You know, no room where you can go for a drink or something to eat or anything like that. Just had to go and sit in the stadium straight away in the stands. And so afterwards, Wolves were very good and organised a number of interviews that the club carried out and then distributed them all by WhatsApp. So, you know, 10, mm. 15 years ago, I don't think that really would have been a easy thing to do. But... Uh, present day all just got zoomed out very quickly so uh, i mean if you didn't have things like zoom and you know i don't know how you chatted to doc whether it was on skype or facetime or whatever it might have been joe but you know 15 years ago this kind of thing probably wouldn't have been as easy to coordinate and sort out no not at all yeah did, did it have the phone and it actually cut out a few times but we we, we we got there in the end uh polcat says um number one on a scale of one to ten with ten being high um, I've never thought of one scale one scale with 10 being low but anyway <laughs> thank, thanks for that and with 10 being high how much do you love Jean Moutinho's Portuguese wheelbarrow race house and number two how emotional were you about Wolves lifting the quarantine cup mm. I mean so, so so, for people who, who missed uh, Jean Moutinho's video clip uh, earlier on it might have been this week or back in it last week basically him um doing shuttle run, run, runs up and down this hill with a load of logs and then it kind of changed to him giving kid, his kids a bit of a push on a wheelbarrow and then his missus a bit of a push as well um, in some kind of roller coaster style video. Um, so the first thing that, that you kind of gathered from that is, oh, so some of the players actually left the country then and, and are back in their homeland because there's no way that was Whitmore Reigns. <laughs> no, not at all. He's back in Portugal, pretty sure Vinagre is... Um... Yeah, so so yeah, that that weren't happening as you say in Whit Marines or or Eve Town or anything like that. Um, it's uh, yeah, he, so he was quite good actually. It was he's imp- quite impressive. I mean, it's a bloody be- nice estate, by the way. I mean, that is some serious serious Wonga that's got that. That's like it's like a Chateau Vineyard extraordinaire. It was like he had he had he- like like ten acres of land. Oh, we talk about Matinho aging like a fine wine. You know, it'd only be appropriate, wouldn't it? Yes, absolutely. It's very true. Um, um, James Field, how emotional yeah. were you when, with Wolves lifting the quarantine cup? Uh, fairly unemotional, to be honest. I, I was a keen FIFA player and Pro Evo when I was at uni as well, but um, I don't play it anymore and I find it quite tough to watch other people. It'd be, I think I'd have had maybe slightly more emotions if it was an actual Wolves player, you know, mm. someone you can relate to a bit more. But uh, I think it's the Brazilian lad, isn't it, who represents Wolves? Uh, yes, Flavio uh, Brito Phil Zilla yeah, or whatever Flavmeister yeah. Um, yeah I don't really know too much about him so uh, fair play to him though he's done well uh, he's probably earning more than us three put together is what, what what's happening for playing FIFA so it's not a bad life is it he's yeah, earning more well, than well, me at the moment yeah <laughs> I, I've got an interesting anecdote actually about Flavio um, I interviewed him last year um, it was Kind of, oh, I do remember this this was proper awkward you're on the front row proper, you? proper proper awkward um it was set. It was set up kind of via Tim. So Tim, Tim had been speaking to somebody at the club and that's said, Tim, oh, "That's Tim Spears." Tim Spears, Express and Star Wars reporter. And oh, we've got this interview. Oh, okay, it's great. Uh, we'll do it before the game. So he, he came into the the press box, did Flavio, and my briefing was that he was um, a Mexican commentator who had been specifically brought in to um, kind of um, you know help. Because Wolves is growing Spanish audience, and um, started asking him all these questions about commentating and about Jimenez, and uh, you know coming over to England and things like that. And Flavio, fair play to him for a good five minutes, went along with it. 
until until somebody else put it in and said you do know who this is and I was like yeah it's a Mexican commentator and now it's a Brazilian esports player so um, Spears was pissing himself in the background setting you up with that interview mate yeah it, yeah um, but Flavio good guy good guy man he, he, he went along with it and he's obviously pretty skilled at FIFA I mean I play FIFA quite a bit um, but I can't watch it and it, it's like walking the ball into the net. It's like it's like FIFA chess. It's it's not the most interesting to watch. You want to you you know. Uh, Actually, I watched John to play the other day. He was quite good. Was, was he? Who did he, he love? Well, he loves it, doesn't he? He's football manager. He's Telford. Who was he playing against the day? Diego Jota. Oh, oh, oh Esri Conser. That was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gave him a bit of a schooling. To be honest, it was quite embarrassing for Villa. But, Shock! Um, another defeat for Villa. Well, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. no, Jota's quite good. Little. Um, you know, giving people not giving people the eyes. What I'm trying to say, dropping the shoulder and stuff. He's good close control. Mirrors his own game. I'll have to uh, move on. Uh, last couple of questions. Um, great questions. Could have gone forever this this week. Uh, Roberto says, uh, um, "Who are the middles beside when you were working for them? Do you think would get in the Wolves eleven? Oh, goodness me! What years were these? These were these were. So this would be this would have been the two thousand and five. Two thousand and to two thousand and nine. So, Chris Wolves eleven. I mean, it's difficult to say Wolves eleven because they played a different style of but they played but pretty much a four four two. So let's say squad wise. Well, we had Viduka, Hasselbank, and Yakubu up front. We kind of two out of those three each week, whether they're playing Europa or or back in the league. I would say, and this was you know Hasselbank still had still had plenty about him. Viduka and Yakubu were superb. I would say any of those three would probably at least make the bench. For Wolves as a striker option um, at this moment in time, and from the rest of the squad, was, I mean, I missed the best years of Janinio, so uh, I won't include him. I would say Southgate is very much a Connor Cody. Didn't rely on pace, but great vision. Always read the game perfectly. Um, very good passer with the ball, so he would probably be in and amongst it uh, when he was. No, Tunchai, me definitely not. Manuel Pogatets. Great player, very good. Jeremy Alliadier, Wolves former Wolves player in that in that squad as well. Ziga might have had a chance, you know. Christian Ziga, un- very underrated um, left wing back, got down the flank. He might give Johnny a Johnny a race. But uh, Mark Schwarzer, Mark Schwarzer, a very good keeper. Um, mm-hmm. Probably probably at least make the bench Mido. for sure. Sorry, sorry, Didier John. Diga. Oh, Didier Diga, Alfonso Alves. Yeah. <laughs> 18 million quid goodness me um, right last one last one last one um, who is it who is it who's going to be the person um, Sean Cannon says uh, could, could the Europa League start before the Premier League resumption what do you think uh, gents uh, James uh, struggling to see it to be honest I think I think UEFA will let the leagues get up and running and then try and fit those games in as and when I think it's just going to be really busy because although they want to finish this season I think they're going to have to try and finish it at a point where they can attempt to start the next season because mm-hmm. obviously it's the World Cup in 2022 to consider and if you start shuffling things around too much you know they're already having to move the seasons to cope for that in December time aren't they I think so yes. you know if you start delaying too many things it's going to become a right mess so I imagine there's just going to be games played all over the place as in you know just you know, Saturdays, midweek, Saturdays, you know, and I'm sure the TV companies will want to, you know, fit them in to suit them as well. So I think it's just going to be carnage when it restarts. But as a consequence, it'll be a football fan's dream because there'll just be so much stuff to watch. Do you think that all the games will be televised? I think so. 
if the fans can't go to them, I don't, I don't see how you can do it any other way. And if there are no fans able to go, then you may as well televise them because mm-hmm. that's how you're going to make the revenue, isn't it? So I think that's yeah, the course. only way out of it, to be honest. I just thought we'll, we'll be allowed in, Joe, uh, to, to, to cover some of the games and uh, to, to let the peeps know what's going on. So we'll have to see. We will have to see. Um, so, so, James, obviously, you know, you've, you, you, uh, do, you do a lot of football, but you do a, lot, a range of, of different sports in different locations as well. Um, I've seen you tweet for some, for, from some far-flung places covering some bizarre sports. So I've asked you to compile some of your, some of your slightly crazier places that you've gone to that you're... Your career has taken on, uh, taking you around the world. Uh, so, would you like to kind of like divulge um, what sports you have covered and where you've covered them? Maybe some of, some well, of your got, more, got more crazier places. I've got a list of the sports. It goes alpine skiing, beach handball, beach volleyball, boxing, cross country skiing, darts, fistball, football, lawn bowls, life saving, rugby union, sitting volleyball, ski jumping, snow volleyball, and normal indoor volleyball. But um, yeah, it's quite what? a wide range. I don't know. I mean, so, I don't so know about two, you guys, two. but when when you do like sports reporting, sports commentating, as I do, I love football. But normally, I get to around March each year, and it just becomes like another game, and you just kind of, yeah. you know, I, I think I think I'd counted up, and I'd done about eighty matches this year before we paused in terms mm. of commentary. And you know, you just end up getting into a bit of a slog with it. So it's quite nice to have a break and just do other sports, to be honest. So you know, so volleyball is the about... one. Talk to me about fistball. What is fistball? So fistball is, um, I don't know why, but uh, it's basically like volleyball, but you have to hit the ball with a clenched fist. If you open open your hand, you lose a point, but it's played on grass. Imagine like a volleyball court, like beach volleyball or indoor, but stretched back to the width of a football pitch. I went to the World Championship in Switzerland last year. And it was it was in a football stadium. How do you even get that gig? How do you get that gig? I because I was I commentated on it a couple of years before at like a multi-sport event, the World Games, which was being held in Poland, and somehow the people at the federation had heard it and thought that I'd done a good job on it, despite the fact that I messed up the gold medal, uh, because all the games had been best of three sets, and then for some reason the gold medal was best of five, but no one publicised it or whatever. So this guy hit what I thought was the the gold medal winning point, and I was two, like, two sets to one up. And I was like, I don't know, Judas got the gold medal, and then he just kind of celebrated as though they won a normal point, and I was like, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> but, so I had to backtrack a bit, and I had the director on my ear saying, "You do realise they're still playing?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah." But um, anyway, somehow they didn't hear that, and they asked me to come and do it. But there were fifteen thousand people watching this. Apparently, it's quite big in Switzerland, Germany, Brazil, Chile, Argentina, some really random countries. I'm not really sure why. Wow. But, um, that was interesting. I was actually really gutted that Wolves didn't get to go to Baku for the Europa League because I've been there a couple of times, and that's in a really amazing city. Um, uh-huh. I went there to cover the Islamic Solidarity Games. I'm sure you've seen that one before. I mean, yes, yes. I mean, to be fair, um, after the Europa League, that that's definitely one that I wanted to, to try and try and visit. But Azerbaijan's a really nice place, and they were holding the finals in the Tofik Bahramov Stadium, which is the stadium named after the linesman who gave England that goal at the World Cup, uh, and was actually also the referee for the Wolves. Uh, UEFA Cup final first leg against Spurs that's a, another stat for you but um, such was the administration there they didn't realise that a player was suspended for the final and I was hanging around in the tunnel waiting for the team sheets to be handed in as you normally do and uh, this guy got named on the bench and I was like you do realise this guy's already had three yellow cars and by your own rules he's banned and they were like what 
and they went scurrying off and came back and this player was told that he couldn't be involved after all. So some pretty uh, ropey organisation. Ah. Um, well, life saving? Abkhazia one. Oh, sorry, life saving. Life saving? Uh, yeah, that's, that's essentially swimming, but uh, you have to go and pick up objects off the bottom of a pool. Or like a I've dummy done that, mate. We've all done that to get our badges. <laughs> I, I've, pe- I've picked up a couple of rubber rings in my time, mate, in yeah. pyjamas. Yeah, but they, they, it's, it's a competitive sport. If you YouTube it, it's quite a, a strange one. But, um, you know, you have to p- pick up bricks and then do, like, backstrokes to get back to the edge or, you know, as though you're actually saving someone's life or whatever. Uh, that was an interesting one. I went to a place called Abkhazia once. Do you know where that is? That's a country or a disputed mm. territory. Any guesses? Abkhazia. Egypt? No, no, it's in it's in Europe. Dubai-ish? Europe. Slovenia. No, it's actually... Croatia. A, it's a disputed territory between Russia and Georgia. It's down by um, Sochi, where they held the Winter Olympics. Oh, um, Sochi. We went there for a day because it just seemed a really bizarre place. Um, but when we crossed the border, you know, we had our accreditations on because it was essentially our visa for the Winter Olympics. And they said... Um, why are you coming in? You're a journalist, and they all got really funny about it. And they're like, "Oh, we're like, oh no, no, you know, we're just we're just pushing papers in the background. It says journalist, but we're not really, you know, news gatherers or whatever." And he's like, "Okay, well, you know, what do you do back in uh, England?" This was this wasn't very good English, by the way. And I was like, "Oh, you know, I'm a football commentator." And he's like, "Yeah, football commentator." And I'm like, yeah, you know, and I was like, Rooney! And he's like, oh, Rooney, Manchester, I love Manchester. And basically let us all was go. Was he French, the guy, was, was he? Uh, I don't know what he was, but um, <laughs> that, was a bad, that was a bad impression that he let us through. So, yeah, you get to go to some weird and wonderful places. That's what I was quite jealous of, the fact that you all got to go to Armenia, because that was uh, that's a country I've never been to. But um... Not after that flight, mate. Goodness me. That's brutal. brutal. <laughs> but, yeah, you get, to, you get to do some random sports, and it keeps you, keeps you ticking along. It keeps things interesting. Fair play, mate. Fair play. Can't knock that. And uh, like you say, hopefully you, um, you you get to some more crazy place. I'm sure you will over the next few years um, once this social distancing's over. Um, Joe, just uh, before we go, because we are running a little bit over what, but you know we've had some really interesting chats, so I don't really care too much. Um, it's just nice to have something to talk about for once. Um, stadium expansion. There's been uh, some news that's come out today about uh, 500 extra extra seats. Uh, being installed over the summer. What's the uh, latest on that, please? Yes. Um, well, the aim is to install it over the summer, but with everything that's going on, we, when it can actually be done, is is unclear. Um, well, that, what we know at the moment is they've submitted planning application uh, to the council about installing 500 seats, very similar uh, to the Graham Hughes stand in the corner between the Steve Ball and uh, the Save Bank. Um, obviously. The big obstacle there at the moment is the big TV screen, um, but they're on about knocking mm. knocking that down, um, making a, a, a stand temporary stand out open open stand uh, of around five hundred seats, and then putting a new TV screen which will be a bit bigger actually, you know, a couple of meters a couple of meters bigger uh, behind it. So it's um, it's 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 one of these that I think has been in the thinking for a while as to how they can kind of um, boost, you know, the capacity here and there. I mean, 500 seats doesn't sound like a hell of a lot and isn't really in in the grand scheme of things, but it does take the overall capacity to more than uh, 32,000. And, 
you know, I know there's a, a waiting list of around t- 10,000 for, for season tickets and this doesn't really take off a huge chunk of those, but it, it at least takes off uh, some. And, um, you know, it'll be, it's, it's, a, and it's a temporary measure really to, to, while they kind of, you know, figure out how to best go about the, um, you know, the overall kind of plan of having a 50k on in you. Joe, why do you think there is actually a delay? Because, you know, as you say, like the demand is there. You keep hearing they've got a 10,000 waiting list. If now is not the best time to rebuild that stand, which desperately needs rebuilding and, you know, would get them so much more in um, hospitality and everything else they can include in that. If they're not going to do it now, do you think they're ever going to do it? I think they will. Um, obviously hoping they will as well, because I think we all agree that Molyneux is such a special ground. Um, I think the issue they've got with it is kind of room around the area. I mean, there's not a lot of room to play with. I mean, directly behind the Steve Ball, they've recently built that new, um, well, I say new, but in the last few years, that big university building. And, you know, any anything that is done on a grand scale has got to be done with that in mind. Um I mean, obviously, this is just putting a plaster on it and a bit of a band-aid on it until they they look at something more more permanent. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I, and you know, I'm not heard anything to say that you know this, you know, that that the, the long term ambition has changed. It's just it's just getting something done in the meantime. And and to be honest, that that corner, obviously, you know, the, there is the screen there, but you know, it was kind of a a fairly big space. Um, that was workable, that wasn't really, you know, being done too much with. And, you know, if you can get 500 extra fans in, yes, it doesn't seem like, you know, a a fantastic number, but it will make, you know, a bit of a difference. There'll be um, getting rid of the um, turnstile block five and making that more automatic machine. So hopefully that'll speed the process of getting into the ground for for a few, I mean that's on the Steve on the safe bank. Sorry, not not the Steve ball. So there may well still be problems in terms of access with the Steve ball, which has been a problem. But um, it's taking steps to try and you know improve things and uh, get more fans in, and uh, hopefully, you know, this is just a one of a number of things that we see in the years to come. If you look on the yeah. council website as well, you can actually see how the stand's going to look when it's been put in there. Um, and as you know, Wolves fans, you know Joe, you'll know that like the police often congregate in that corner, especially the steps up the side of the South Bank. And actually, by putting that stand in, it's going to put Wolves fans a lot closer to the away fans in that lower tier. So it'd be interesting to see what they do with that because it's all going to become a lot more, a lot more cramped in that area. But um, the, the last thing I was going to say on it is why have they shelved the idea of adding to the South Bank? Because surely that's the easiest thing they can do because in theory it doesn't need to affect things as they're going on because they can do what Liverpool did by building behind and then you know, effectively taking the roof off and putting a bigger one on top. Was there a reason given as to why that idea was shelved or not? There's been no direct um, reason given for it. I mean, obviously we saw in the summer that they did the, they did the all... all or rail seating in 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 the in the safe bank, and maybe that's that's changed things slightly. I mean, I haven't used the rail seating. I don't know what it's like, but it, it seems like it's been fairly well appreciated. Um, I, I think a few at first were a bit sceptical, but it seems like it has helped boost the atmosphere. And I, I think they are looking at it all the time in terms of what they can do. Um, uh, but as we say at the moment, it's 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 knowing when you can do uh, the work 
because we're talking about the season going on to 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 probably going on to till August and what usually would be the summer break to get stuff like this done. Will, will they have a chance to get it done? Will they have a big enough window to complete the work for the start of next season? So I think it's all playing it by ear at the moment. But at least you know they have submitted um, applications to the council, and really it should. I'd be surprised if he doesn't get the green light. James, you can twiddle your thumbs at the moment. Um, you can start producing five hundred more ponchos, I think, and you'll be you'll be quizzing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was actually a pretty bad um, time because when we came, got to Athens Airport the day after the Olympiakos game, all the announcements came out about the leagues being suspended, and I had about five emails in the space of ten minutes saying that all my work had been cancelled. So um, <laughs> that wasn't great. But um, I've been trying to wrap my brains for the last few weeks now, trying to think of something to come up with that I can either pitch to a radio station or just some kind of unique piece of content but everything has been almost exhausted already so if anyone's got any ideas then I'll give them a slice of the of the eventual £50 fee or whatever it is. And how do people contact you James for people who are listening saying oh that that, that field and guy I'd like to follow him on Twitter I'd like to maybe maybe engage with him. If you want to unfollow me on Twitter you've already followed me at James underscore field and yeah that's where I do all my stuff Um, and actually let me give one little plug if you like your strongman events here we go. Uh, I commentate on the Strongman Champions League, which is currently airing on Free Sports. Um, they're doing the whole series at the moment, 16 episodes. It's like the Europa League equivalent of World's Strongest Man. And uh, I've commentated on it also. so uh, go and check that out. Any kind of sport, any kind of live action, I am in. I am 100% in. I'm going to tune in now, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, Jim, it's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. I hope you'll be able to... Um... Come come along again. Uh, maybe we'll see you face to face next time. Maybe it'll be behind a microphone from a your a remote part of Shropshire. But um, thank you very much. Your five hundred pound fee will be wired to you as we speak. Um, and uh, yeah, hope hope you've enjoyed uh, your 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 debut on the poddy. Cheers, guys. Been good. Thanks very much, Joe. Thank you very much. Great. Cheers. Great as ever. Um, hope everybody has a, has a great weekend. Stay safe. Um, hopefully, um, get the barbecues out. There's a nice bit of sunshine. And um, yeah, have a, have a glass of rose on me. From me, from Joe, from James. Have a good one. Take care. Bye bye.